The Detroit Tigers win in extra innings in Target Field, believe it or not, today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, May 26th, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. The Tigers win a ball game, baby. Win a ball game against the Minnesota Twins in Minnesota in Target Field by a score of 4-2, to two, final in the 10th. Uh, the Detroit Tigers, you know what? I, like, it's really messed up when we get to a point where we win a ball game and I'm still like, well, that was ugly. You know, that, that was as, as ugly a, a, of a loss as you will see. This offense still got carved up, carved up. By several different pitchers, including the starter for the opponent. All, none of the problems offensively went away. They are all still there and, and, and still prevalent at that. And the pitching, you know what? Shout out to the, to the pitching. Good day for, for, the, for the boys on the bump. Really good day. The bullpen was fantastic again, as it has been all season. And Ronnie Garcia, credit credit where credit's due. It, it obviously wasn't a fantastic, you know, crazy, impressive outing. But I, I, I was satisfied. That's the word. I was satisfied with Ronnie Garcia. So sure, sure. I'll, I'll very good outing by by the pitching staff and the offense just continued to be what the offense is two runs through nine innings. Uh, and then one swing of the bat took us over the edge this evening, but, but two runs in nine, not okay. Needs to stop. There's a few things outside of just, uh, like strictly offensive breakdown, starting pitching breakdown, bullpen breakdown. Uh, first off the home plate umpire was, was a joke. Um, I am not one for blaming w- entire wins and losses on umpires. Uh, and certainly we ended up winning this game, but, uh, and, and I don't believe someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm about 90% sure that, uh, the, the call, the replay of the Derek Hill play at home plate, uh, was not that umpire crew's decision, right? They go to New York, just like in in football or whatever. Um, so that I, I think it was a bad call. I think it was a horrible call. I think he was pretty clearly safe, and we shouldn't have even gone into into extra innings. But you know, we ended up getting the win anyway, which relieves a lot of the of the what's the word I want to use 
of the controversy, that's the word, that, that surrounded this game and certain managerial decisions and certain umpire calls and all of that, uh, a lot of that gets kind of let off the gas pump a little bit because we did end up getting the win. But he was very clearly safe at home. Derek Hill was. Uh, Gary Sanchez blatantly missed the tag. And uh, Derek Hill blatantly touched home plate. So um, the fact that it stood was honestly mind-boggling to me. I'm not sure why we have replay if we're going to screw up this badly. It's it's it, seriously mind-numbing. I, I, I have a hard time even wrapping my brain around how that was even possible. We saw on like three different angles, and then the one straight up down the third baseline is the most blatant angle of him very, very clearly being safe, and and, and they just held it, you know, not enough evidence to overturn it, grow up. Um, so that was that was a, a early on was kind of a gut punch, uh, and then the offense continued to be the offense. That's just an everlasting gut punch. Uh, Harold Castro hits a home run, hits two homers, but his first homer uh, broke a 16-inning scoreless streak for the Tigers, uh, infamously earlier in the season, almost hit 30. Um, yeah, just same old, same old offensively. Yeah. I mean, it really was, there's a lot of managerial controversy in this game. And I guess we'll get into that. Um, while we're talking about the offense that kind of fits, I guess, uh, the, the big one was the Harold Castro versus Miguel Cabrera debate. Uh, where Harold Castro had two home runs in this one and had the bases loaded and one out in the ninth inning. I think it was the ninth, yeah. Um, bases loaded, one out, Harold Castro due up. He has two homers on the on the game, and A.J. Hinch brings in Miguel Cabrera. Now, uh, I do not think that this is like that big of a deal. I really don't. I think that because it's in the moment and, and because of all that, right, that um, and because it didn't work, that it becomes a big deal. Um, but I, I don't think that this is that like controversial or like mind boggling of a decision. Uh, Harold Castro definitely had a good day at the dish. Undeniably had a great day at the plate. Two tanks. Two no-doubters, two homers that were gone in like 29 of 30 stadiums. Um, and Miguel Cabrera is a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. On the flip side of both of those, Harold Castro is a negative war player. I guess after this game, maybe he's maybe he's back uh, above zero. But going into the game, was a negative war player. Uh, and Miguel Cabrera is pushing 40 and, and has not really been the same for the last couple of years. So you have, you have yin and yang to both. It's, it's, uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't think it's that crazy of a decision. Miguel Cabrera historically hits left-handed hitting very, pitching rather very well. Harold Castro, while he did have two home runs, uh, had them not off of, he, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot. And I think for me, the bigger thing just goes back to, you know what? Screw it. We'll, we'll just, the biggest story to me is the fact that Harold Castro getting pulled from a game in the ninth 
in a key situation, Harold Castro getting pulled caused a war amongst the fan base. A war. Harold Castro is a replacement level Major League Baseball player. He is A, probably your best hitter right now, and B, should not be warranting all hell breaking loose within your fan base and people, people, you know, going to the front lines to defend or, or, or go against Harold Castro. The story here is that the state of your offense is so unbelievably terrible that Harold Castro staying in or leaving a ball game is like statewide news. That's the story. That's the issue. You want to argue about Miguel Cabrera versus Harold Castro? Well, we've seen Harold ground out 90 million times with soft grounders in his career. He very easily could have done it. He also could have hit his third tank of the game. Who cares? The issue here is that your offense is so putrid that Harold Castro and whether hitting Harold gets an at-bat in the ninth and a chance to win the game is national news within your fan base. That's, That's a problem. I love the dude to death. I really do. I think he holds value. I think he's a valuable utility player. But there is no way that in year seven of a rebuild, fans should be actually upset. And there's merit to being upset. Should be rightfully upset that Harold Castro is not going to get in that bat in a key moment in the ninth inning with a chance to win a ball game. That's inexcusable. And it that shows the current state of your offense. That hitting Harold, not getting that AB, is rightfully, again, rightfully makes people upset. Unbelievable. The offense was not that good. We'll just finish up here (laughs) for the rest of the offense. Dylan Bundy. Love love Dylan Bundy. Love love my Dylan Bundy truthers out there. Um, But you can't be getting blown away by 90 down the middle. And that's what he was giving you all game long. And no one can catch up to it. Inexcusable. Five and two thirds, five hits, one run, one walk, six Ks for Bundy. Uh, Their bullpen immediately following Bundy pitched pretty well. Uh, until it didn't, and then Harold Castro happened again, and then the extra innings happened, uh, and Jamer Candelario took one to dead center. Um, it's actually wild, but you know, before that home run, I was going to come on here and say that at the beginning of May, Candy looked to be turning it around, and now in like the last week, I, I have felt the opposite again. Um, but for what it's worth, I mean, I mean, obviously hit the home run in this one, Andrew will walk, so. Two times on base, two RBIs, and a game where we scored four. Not going to complain too terribly much. 
Something has to change with this offense. Something has to change. Because it's brutal. Really, really, really brutal. We're not going to play the OPS game again, I promise. But it's really, really ugly. Okay. Let's get into the pitching. First, I got to tell you all about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and miles, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers. You have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? It just simply does not make sense. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even a new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today. Find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in the how did you hear about us box. So now you know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, recaps of MLB games, with analysis from all of our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network, it's also free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's head into segment number two. Okay, I thought I was going to say that rhyme, but that's just literally two and two. Um, okay, pitching. Well, we're going to give a little, give some flowers to Ronnie Garcia. I know he gave up the home run, whatever. I don't really care. I was, I was pretty impressed with Ronnie Garcia as I have been. And I even said on the, on the very end of yesterday's show, you know, that I I didn't expect Ronnie to go past like the third inning and he only went four. Uh, but I mean, he threw 78 pitches, you know, almost 80 pitches, five K's in four innings, seven whiffs in four innings. Isn't terrible. CSW percentage of 27%, pretty on par, pretty, pretty, pretty average. Gave up some hard contact for sure, uh, but kept the ball on the ground for the most part. And I, and I was I was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed. His final line was four innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, five Ks. Also pretty impressed is a very relative term here. Very impressed is not, oh my goodness, I, I think that this dude's Justin Verlander or, or I think this dude should even be in the starting rotation. Very impressed when compared to what my expectations were going into the game. Honestly, he's been doing that ever since he got called back up from the minors a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, when, when he got recalled, ever since then, he's been he's been pretty pretty nice with it, I think. I think he's been a lot better than uh, he was in his first stint and certainly a lot better than he was in 2020 when we drafted him in the Rule 5 draft. So, uh, shout-out to Ronnie Garcia. Uh, the, you know, mostly fastballs, and that's why there was a lot of hard contact in this game, but... Again, I mean, a lot of called strikes on the four-seamer. Um, and, I mean, four whiffs. Sorry. Four whiffs on the fastball. Yes. Two whiffs on the curve. One whiff on the change. 
Um, I, sol- solid enough outing. Don't have too much more to report on when it comes to Ronnie Garcia. I'll gladly take it. Uh, kind of like what I said with Brisky the other day. In a game in which Ronnie Garcia started, we only gave up two runs. I'm going to take that. And he went four innings. You know, we almost pitched half the game. And we only gave up uh, only gave up two runs in the entire outing. So, not a certainly could have been a lot worse. Not a not a disappointing outing from Ronnie at all. Um, Willie Peralta followed Ronnie. Uh, between him and Ronnie together, they went six of the ten innings in this one. Uh, Willie Peralta continues to look absolutely fantastic. His ERA is now sub one, a zero point nine three ERA for Willie Peralta. Uh, he's, he, he's so fun to watch. Like he's fun to watch pitch. He's got good velocity. He misses a ton of barrels. You know, he's not necessarily a swing and miss, you know, expert by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, he, you know, he three whiffs in two innings. Sure. But the 36% CSW percentage. So in two innings, a lot of called strikes, a lot of called strikes, and that is awesome. Over 33, 30% or higher CSW percentage on all four of his pitches. A lot of called strikes. That's a really good sign. It means he's got a really good pitch mix going. I really like when he mixes the four seam and the splitter. That's like my favorite Willie Peralta pitch mix. Four seam low, light, right? Four seam low strike splitter that dives down low for a ball. Very, very difficult to tell which one's the four seam which one's the splitter, if it's going to be a low strike or if it's going to fall off the table. It is comfortably my my favorite kind of, well, yeah, my, my favorite pitch mix of Willie's. I, I very much enjoy watching him pitch at this point, and uh, I'm very glad that that this is a, a win for the front office. Bringing in Willie Peralta last season is a, is a uh, whether, you, whether you think it's rare or not, no matter what your opinion of the front office is, Willie Peralta has certainly been a, uh, an A-plus get. And, yeah, now let's go into, like, the, the rest of the bullpen. That's the first six innings. We'll go into the into the remainder of the players that pitched, which is quite a few left. And then we'll get into kind of the management of that last inning there because I know there was some, some questions and controversy over, you know, which pitchers A.J. was going to as well. A lot of talk amongst the fan base today. People are tired, and I, and I totally get it. So, no... No, uh, not, not a not a bad thing that there was a lot of talk. Again, I, I, everybody's tired of losing. I'm tired of losing, and uh, people should be mad. It's it's ridiculous. Okay, we did get a win though. We'll get to the rest of the game after I tell y'all about LinkedIn Jobs. With spring in the air, it's the time of renewal and growth, personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free drop job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job to the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questionings make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. 
And did you know, every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. Welcome back to our third and final segment here at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. I, I did I did better in the LinkedIn one this time around. I really butchered it pretty badly. What was that? Yesterday, two days ago. I, I still still some work to be done. Still need to get in the lab uh, and grind. But but definitely better than the last time I read it. Okay, let's get into the rest of the bullpen for this one. Um, who Joe Jimenez? Conti- I mean, struck out the side. Joe Jimenez ERA on the season is now three two four. Had five whiffs in just one inning of work. Ball put in play zero times uh, was phenomenal. His slider is actually nasty. It really is. Like he has a genuinely like filthy, filthy slider. And it's beautiful to see. The spin rate on it is, is, is really solid. I love the shape on it all around. Very, very impressed with Joe Jimenez in this outing. And that's been a trend. I have been impressed with Joe Jimenez for the last several weeks, honestly. Honestly, all season, going back into spring even. Uh, he had one little blip there, was that late April, early May maybe, somewhere around there where he uh, he had a couple of bad outings in a row. But outside of that stretch, uh, started off the season and lately has been really, really solid. Gregory Soto gets the eighth inning in this one. Uh, and, okay. Let's go Let's go inning by inning from here on out. Gregory Soto gets the eighth, right? And I thought that his eighth inning was really good. Now, it was a clean inning, no duh, whatever. But command-wise, you got to look at command with him. That's pretty much the whole game. He had one pitch, I believe it was to Correa, that he completely missed by like a mile. And I was like, oh, goodness. Then he recovered. Through a slider, it was a ball low, but I think it's ish where he wanted it to go, and then had a clean inning. I was very impressed with Soto's eighth. Like I said, only one pitch that I truly went, oh my goodness, that was nowhere near where anyone wanted that ball to go. Okay, we get to the ninth inning, and he gets an out, and then I think it was on two strikes again, was it not? I think it was on two strikes again. He plunks somebody low and in on a slider. And even he on the mound was kind of like, all right, like fair enough. I, I I wanted to go slider low and in. I didn't want to miss over the plate because I think he was looking slider. And uh, it, it hit him. Fair enough. And then they pulled him. Just a couple of things. One, the command was good until it wasn't. And two, and most importantly, I fully agree with the decision to pull him. I think that giving him that opportunity to go back out there in the ninth was was also intelligent. I, I also agree with that decision. But I think a one base runner limit for him makes sense given the entire situation so fully agree with that managerial decision going to Alex Lang I'm never going to have a problem going to Alex Lang so sure uh that's that's the dog right there you know that's that's a king 
looked looked great again in this one too. Three whiffs in uh, two thirds of an inning for Alex Lang. Uh, got one strikeout. He stepped up big. Stepped up big. Big. Uh, he did give up a hit. Wasn't really like oh my goodness he gave up a hit. I, I thought he was really good in the outing and uh, kept. The Twins run total at two, most importantly. But, uh, man, Lang's ERA on the year is now one five six, Nasty. Then we go to Michael Fulmer. Right? Then we go to Michael Fulmer to start off the 10th inning. And Michael Fulmer, his last start, what was that, yesterday, two days ago? Looked really, really good. But that was the first time he had pitched in a week. And the week or so before that, he had not looked good. So this was a really big outing for me to kind of get a gauge on what kind of Fulmer I, I think we were in for for maybe the remainder of the season, honestly. This was this was a really big outing for me. And, you know, he, he didn't throw like a, a true fastball, which is weird. He did throw a sinker which is classified as a fastball by most people. Uh, he threw three of them, and it did get up into that 93-94 range. But he didn't throw uh, a true, what what anybody would classify as a true fastball, a four-seam or a two-seam, which was weird to me. Threw the slider a lot, which we're used to. The velocity on that was pretty solid, you know, 90-91. Um, but then I thought the command kind of escaped him a little bit. And he got himself into a rough situation. Did get a strikeout, but got himself, you know, the runner on second rule and everything back kind of up against the wall. Going to Chafin there is absolutely the right decision. I know it worked out, so it's super easy to say it. But no matter what happened, that is 100% the right move. You got a guy coming up that is significantly worse against lefties. And you got Andrew Chafin, who is a lefty, and also past just the the hitter that's in front of him is still really good against righties and lefties. It is the perfect person to go to out of the pen there. First save is a Tiger. Tigers win all around. Really, I, I really like how the bullpen was managed. We can debate until we're blue in the face about the Castro versus Miggy thing. We already talked about that in the first segment. I don't even think that's that big of a deal in a vacuum. The, the bigger deal is, is Harold Castro causing that much controversy. The bullpen, I thought, was managed beautifully. The execution from everybody was obviously the most important thing, and that kept uh, uh, the Twins' total run total at two for the remainder of the game. We will take it. We will gladly take a win any way we can get them. Okay. Today, as you're listening to this, tomorrow for me, the Tigers start their back home, start a four-game set against the Guardians, and then after that set against the Guardians, they then have a five-game set against the Twins again. All of those games at Comerica too, however. Um, we, we, got, we got to rattle off some wins here, ladies and gents. We got to rattle off some wins here. We really, really do. We really, really do. Because then it's Yankees, Pirates, Blue Jays, 
White Sox. Rangers, Red Sox. I know the Red Sox haven't had a great year, but they're turning it around. Okay? I think that's all I got for you today. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day, and I'll make your second listen to Lockdown MLB Podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. That is including YouTube, just like us, baby. Okay. Um, I think that I think that is everything I got. Tarek Skubal is supposed to start today as you're listening to this. Supposed to start game one at Cleveland. So hopefully that, that comes true and we don't have a late scratch there because of, you know, injury, whatever. But hopefully that can happen. Maybe get a couple of wins in a row here. Be nice. Be real nice. I'll talk to you then. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.